Matthew chapter 8 this morning, Matthew's Gospel chapter 8, good to be in the Lord's house, appreciate the good singing, I wonder why she acts like that, I like to get a good case of the can't help us with you, and I've had them once or twice in the 57, 58 years, and I'm a candidate for it this morning, amen. I'm looking forward to the meeting, been praying, I know you have, and I hope God will really do a work around here in the next few days. Looking forward to hearing Brother McBride here in a little bit, so I'll get my Sunday school lesson out of the way, and we'll uh, go from there. But in uh, Matthew chapter 8, I didn't intend to preach out of here, but <clears throat> I believe with all of my heart this is where the Lord took me. Matthew 8 a wonderful, wonderful chapter in the Word of God. Jesus is in his ministry and uh, healing lepers in the first four verses of the chapter. And then he heals the centurion's servant, not necessarily because of the servant, but because of the centurion's faith. Jesus said, I hadn't found so great faith in all of Israel. So I believe if our faith was increased, we might see some greater things happen. Amen. And he goes to healing, casting out spirits and doctrines of devils and everything else through the chapter. And he gets down to verse number 18, Matthew 8, verse number 18. The Bible said, Now when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave commandment to depart to the other side. I'm interested in that verse. He gave commandment to depart unto the other side. And a certain scribe came and said unto him, Master, I will show thee, uh, follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus saith unto him, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Going on through the chapter, we're going to do that in just a minute. I hope you're here this morning, and when you leave, you haven't changed, traded a mansion for a foxhole or a bird's nest. There's a mansion on the other side. He told him, get in the boat and let's go to the other side. Now, I don't know in verse number uh, 19 and 20 if that scribe got on the boat or not. I kind of think he didn't get on. He said, I'd rather have a foxhole than a mansion in glory. And I'd rather have a bird's nest up in maybe a sycamore tree than to have a mansion in glory. But nevertheless, I don't know whether he got on the boat or not, but verse 21, another of his disciples said unto him, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said unto him, Follow me and let the dead bury their dead. And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the ways, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And the Bible said in verse number 26, He saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this? that even the winds and the seas obey him. And when he was come to the other side into the country of the Gergesenes, 
there met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs, exceeding fierce, so that no man might pass by that way. Verse 29. And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time the wicked, evil, ungodly spirits knows a lot more than we give them credit for? They knew their time was coming because it had already been pronounced in the Old Testament as well as I'm sure preached in the New. But the Bible said in verse number 30, there was a good way off from them a herd of many swine feeding. So the devils besought him, saying, If thou cast us out, suffer us to go away into the herd of swine. And he said unto them, Go. That's the first case of deviled ham. <clears throat> he said unto them, verse number 32, Go. So when they were come out, they went into the herd of swine, and ran, uh, and behold, the whole herd of swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea. That's the worst case of suicide there's ever been. Well, you city folk, Doug knows what suicide is, but uh, some of you city folks don't know what suicide is. You ever caught any hogs? I bet Christy knows what suey is. Verse number 33. And they that kept them fled and went their ways into the city and told everything of what was befallen to the, to the possessed of the devils. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they besought him that he would depart out of their coast. God help them. Amen. Would you help me pray? Father, I love you. I want to thank you one more time for saving me by the grace of God. Lord, you have proven yourself to be faithful in all of these years and every circumstance and every situation. You've proven yourself, Lord, to be faithful. And I thank you for it and I love you for it. I pray for a move of God this week in this church, in every one of our hearts and homes and our lives and our loved ones we're praying for. Father, I pray you do a work this week that we'll not soon forget. I pray to help every man of God that mounts this pulpit, Lord, today and throughout the rest of the meeting. And I pray it help me this morning. I need you. I'm where the Lord without you. I'm of all men most miserable. But I pray for unction and liberty and power, clearness of thought, and may the message find a lodging place in hearts today. We'll love you and thank you now for all you do. We ask it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what a chapter we have, healing the lepers and saving sinners and casting out evil and wicked spirits. But he got down to verse number 18, and the Bible said there's multitudes that had gathered around him. And notice the commandment uh, that he gave. He gave a commandment, verse number 18, to depart unto the other side. And uh, he's given us that commandment uh, to depart to the other side. You remember the apostle Paul he said, I fought a good fight, finished my course, kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me, not to me only, but unto all them love his appearing. And Paul said this, my departure is at hand. That's a nautical term, and uh, that's what Jesus says here in verse number 18, B. He said, depart unto the other side. And then he got down verse number 28, 
And the Bible said, and when he was come to the other side. So he said, depart in verse number 18. And he said, they arrived at the other side where he said to head to in verse number 28. But in between uh, verse number 18 and verse number 28, there were a lot of things that took place that I want us to see this morning. So if you'll follow me for a little bit, I want to preach with this thought, why the old ship of Zion will never sink. Why the old ship, now if you've been saved a while, you've probably heard messages, and I thought about uh, Brother Youngblood singing the old ship of Zion this morning. If I wasn't croaked up so much, I might crank up and sing a verse of it. But the old ship of Zion is a picture of the church. Several ships mentioned in the Bible, and one of them is the old ship of Zion, and that's a picture of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's where I want to go this morning. Uh, the old ship of Zion is not going to sink. The church is alive and well, and it'll be uh, alive and well when Jesus comes again. A lot of folks think uh, the church is going to die, but it's not going to die. It's doing good. Amen. I believe she's right where the Lord knew she would be in this time of the dispensation of the church age where we're living. Not a greater time to live for the Lord than in the dispensation of the church age. Now, I think that began at Pentecost. Good preachers don't, but uh, that's all right. It won't hurt them to be wrong. Amen. But nevertheless, the Lord breathed on the disciples, and uh, they went everywhere preaching the Word of God. And we're to carry out the day. And I'm about to get ahead of myself, but... Uh, there's a ship, and uh, if you'll let me start, lay a little foundation, I'll get to the old ship of Zion. In a, on April the 10th, uh, 1912, in Southampton, England, there was a ship that had been completed called the Titanic, and there's a lot of uh, news went out about four or five years ago. They said uh, before that they found the wreckage of the Titanic, and they began to descend into those depths of the uh, North Atlantic Ocean and uh, observing that wreckage laying on the bottom of the ship. As a matter of fact, I think three or four uh, died this past year in a capsule trying to get down to where the Titanic was and the pressure was so great that little capsule that they was in imploded and all of those men were uh, killed. But, but nevertheless, when they built the Titanic, uh, it was about four city blocks long, and I looked up a little closer than that. It's 883 feet long. That's a pretty big boat. 883 feet long, 11 stories high, massive steel walls that enclosed that ship and all the safety equipment of that day of 19 and 12. And uh, I began to read and look at that, and here's what I found out about the Titanic. When they completed that ship and was getting ready to set its sail on the leaving Southampton Harbor and going to New York. Uh, they broke champagne bottles over the bow of that ship, and they made this statement, Pastor, not even God could sink this ship. And they had that. They, were, they had that in their heart. They a big ship like that, and that massive thing that they had built, and all the uh, massive steel and everything that was in it. They probably really thought, uh, Brother Daniel, that not even God could sink that ship. You can get by with saying a whole lot of things, but leave God out of it. I think, and I prayed about the message this morning, Brother McBride, I believe if it had broke the champagne bottles over it and said this ship will never sink, 
they'd have been in pretty good shape. But when they got God into the equation and they said not even God can sink this ship, they got into a whole lot of trouble. Amen. But nevertheless, they left uh, uh, Southampton Harbor sailing out towards New York City on April the 10th, 1912. Four days into their maiden voyage on the Titanic, news went out that there were icebergs in the North Atlantic. And uh, there was a Smith, Edward Smith, was the captain of that uh, ship. He probably couldn't see at night to drive, so he ran into an iceberg out in the North Atlantic, ripped a gaping hole in the bow of that ship, and it began to take on water. And, of course, eventually, a few hours, they abandoned that ship, and it sank in the North Atlantic. And there was 2,229 souls that got on board that ship, and the great majority of them drowned in that cold, icy water at 2.20 a.m. on April the 14th, 1912. That ship sank. But there's a ship that's not going to sink, and that's the old ship of Zion. Amen. And I've got about six points. I'll combine them into two to a pair, and I'll give you three points, and I'll be through. I think the old ship of Zion is not going to sink because of the cost that it took to build her. Are you listening? I've got two. Let me give you both of them. The cost and the commission of the old ship of Zion, she will never sink. I did do a little study on the Titanic. It cost $7.5 million to build the Titanic in 1912. Somebody estimated that in 2019 and said that would be over $400 million, close to a half a billion dollars to build the Titanic in 19, in 20, and uh, 2019. So, but that's not near the cost that it took to build the old ship of Zion. What did it cost to have a church and for me and you to have a boat to sail into heaven on one of these days? I'll tell you what it cost. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For the old ship of Zion to be built, God had to give his son. Amen. And not just the sacrifice of the Father, and he is the only begotten Son of God, but it cost the Lord Jesus Christ his life and his precious blood. The Bible said in Philippians 2, verse number 5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant, and was found in fashion as a man. Being found, humbled himself and becoming a man. Uh, being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. The Bible said in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 25, Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. The cost of the church this morning was not only God giving his son for the church, but it was the son of God leaving the ivory palaces of glory, coming into this world wrapped up in a body of flesh, and neighbor going to Calvary, shedding his life's given blood, and dying that we might be saved by the grace of God. There's folks in this auditorium I have prayed for you, and I prayed for you particularly the last couple of weeks, and I prayed for you this morning. 
If you are going to the other side, you better get on the boat. Amen. I think Jesus could have walked the water. He'd done that in the scripture. He could have gotten there any other way. He could have intended to, wanted to go. But he chose to ride a boat, uh, ride a ship in verse number 18. He got in verse 23 when he was entered into the ship. The disciples followed him. That ship, the old ship of Zion, the cost is so tremendous, it's beyond our comprehension what God gave to have a church and what the Lord Jesus Christ uh, built that church, and that's what he's doing. In Matthew 16, 18, he said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In 1971, I went to Taylor's, South Carolina, with that King James Bible under my arm, and I was going to build a church. There wasn't nobody else going to go to hell from Taylor's when the rains got there. Amen. I was going to rescue everybody in Taylor's. Well, I didn't quite accomplish that, but got one or two in by the grace of God, Brother Michael. But nevertheless, uh, I learned when I tried to pastor for about 36 years of my life to let Jesus build the church. He said he would, and for us just to do what he commissioned and commanded us to do. Amen. Here's what I want you to see this morning. We're a part of something precious. The greatest thing on the face of this earth today is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm not talking about some kind of a mystical body. I'm talking about a tangible church, pews you sit on, offering plates we fill up, and Bibles we read, and songbook we sing out of, and men we take care of, and friends we have. I love the church, don't you? Jesus loved it. And if you're going to be like him, you're going to have to fall in love with the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you why I love her. I got saved by the grace of God in a New Testament church. I got washed in the blood in a New Testament church. I got baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost in the church. I met my wife and married her in the church. Are you listening to me? We raised our children in the church. We dedicated our family and everything we had to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I made up my mind, I think I'll just stick with the church because it's an eternal body that Jesus Christ has formed and is forming. And one day it will be complete and he'll come back and get us and take us out of this old sinful, wicked world. He will prove himself to be faithful. Well, the church is not going to die because what it costs God to purchase her and to build her. And I could go on and preach a whole message out of there. But here's what Brother Peter said, chapter 1, verse number 18. For as much as we know, you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by traditions from your father, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without spot and without blemish who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world. My Sunday school class needs to hear that. He was foreordained. They don't think there's an eternity uh, before Genesis 1-1, but there is, amen. And the more I read, the more I see it. But he was as a lamb, very, very uh, ordained before the foundations of the world to come into this world wrapped in a body of flesh and die on Calvary's tree and shed his life's given blood that we might be saved. He purchased the church just like Gomer was purchased by Hosea off the slave block of sin. He paid our sin debt that we might be saved by the grace of God and that took the precious blood of our Lord. Amen. 
So don't take it lightly what it costs to save you. And I personally believe, and I know that most of you probably do, that he shed that blood for every man, woman, boy, and girl that's ever walked upon the face of God's earth. He didn't choose a few and take us, going to take us to heaven, but he said, whosoever will, let him come and take of the water of life freely. So the church is alive and well because God paid so much for her, he's going to take care of her. But there's another reason why I think the church will never sink, the old ship of Zion will never sink. It's a commission that Jesus gave her. In Matthew 28, he told the disciples, he said, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always. Amen. He commissioned them to go. Brother Mark put it this way. He said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Brother Mark said, go everywhere, tell everybody that you come in contact with that Jesus came and went to Calvary and died for their sin. I'm glad I learned a long time ago, you can't take the gospel to the wrong address. Amen. Just get out in the highways and hedges, tell everybody that you contact, that Jesus died for them, and if he don't save them, I'll quit preaching. Amen. I'm about to get that old anyway. I reckon I'm going to run out of steam. One of the these days, but the cost of the church, it costs God so much. He's got so much invested in it that he'll never let the church die. Are you listening? And not only the cost of the church preacher, but the commission. We haven't fulfilled the Great Commission. He hasn't withdrawn or done away with the Great Commission. Brother Severs, we are commissioned to send the gospel around the world, every crook and every cranny, every nook and every cranny, everywhere that a man's on the face of this earth, whether it be Alaska or New Guinea or wherever it might be, Hendersonville, North Carolina, God wants everybody to hear about about the cross of Calvary and the blood that Jesus shed there. So let's be up and about the Father's business. Amen. We ought to get the wind in our sails and tell everybody on the face of the earth that Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Best thing ever happened to me. And there's multitudes trading eternity for fox nests and birds nests and fox holes and all this kind of stuff. And they just don't realize what it costs God to have a church. Now there's a commission God gave her. That's the cost in her commission. And I like my second point. Notice in verse number uh, 23, he entered into the ship and his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perished. They hadn't read John 3, 16, where he said, You'll never perish. But he says unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? And of course he got up, he arose, and rebuked the wind. Not only her cost and her condition is going to keep the old ship of Zion sailing, but the captain and his capability is going to take care of the church. Amen. He not only pilots her, but he protects her. He guides her and he guards her. I'm glad 
believe we've got a local church where God has the freedom and the right of way to intervene in any service we have, whether it be Sunday morning, Sunday night, Sunday school, prayer meeting. God has the liberty around here, and I appreciate it, Pastor. Just be sensitive and pliable and let the Holy Ghost do a work, and I'm telling you, he'll build the church, and you and I will get a, be a part of it. Isn't that wonderful? But the captain and his capabilities assures me, and it ought to assure you, that the church is going to be completed. It's not going to sink. There are storms. Here's a storm came upon this ship, and the Titanic experienced a storm. The church has experienced storm after storm. There's never been a boat that's ever been built that didn't encounter storm if it ever got out of dry dock. Ships are expected to encounter storms. You get on the old ship as I and I pastoring. Brother McBride and this uh, older couple joined, and uh, he said, Preacher, you got a good church, and we enjoyed it around here, and we want to be a part of it. I said, Praise God, brother. That's good. I'm glad the Lord going to add you to this flock. But he said, First time any trouble comes up, we're gone. You probably remember, Pastor, you got a mind like a steel trap. I said, sir, no use for you to join this church. You're just wasting ink and paper and postage. We stay in trouble around here. Now, if I was jerking on the devil's tail, if I was him, I'd kick a little bit too, wouldn't you? That's the way you get a cow to walk, twist her tail up, Chrissy, real good, and she'll go where you want her to go if you tighten enough on that tail, amen. But he said, uh, he he said, first time any trouble comes up, we're gone. I said, well, you no use joining around here. You won't last but a week or two because we stay in some kind of trouble. We're in a battle. The old ship of Zion is facing storm after storm after storm. She encounters storm, but are you listening to me? We got a captain, and I could preach on the storms. There's all kinds of storms. You get old and uh, things just get worse, amen, as far as storms and trials and uh, tears and we lay awake at night and cry and pray half the night and everything else i'm telling you it's not going to end until one of these days jesus says it's enough and we're going to wave goodbye and sell out of here and go home to be with god amen but you have never encountered a storm you never will encounter a storm choir you sang a while ago and i raised a bony hand to heaven he has proved himself to be faithful to the reigns family he has taken care of us he has guided if you let me say guided and he has guarded the reigns family down through the year this financial storm physical storms church storms all kinds of storms and god has guided us brother russ through every bit of that and we come out on the other end better than we were when we went in just wait and see what god is doing amen and i don't have time to get into that and a little bit of prophetic preaching out of there but i'll just about assure you when we get to glory and those disciples get
gather around. They said, you remember that storm where Jesus was asleep and it, we were scared to death, afraid that we were going to perish? And they'll begin to tell us. And if he hadn't already told them, he'll tell them in that day what I was doing. I was laying a foundation with the apostles and Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. I was laying a foundation for a church and I wanted you men to know that I could take care of any storm you were going to encounter. The early church went through storms. Are you listening to me? And we're going to go through storms until this thing's over with, but there's never been a storm that sank the old ship of Zion and never will. I was reading my Bible, uh, trying to get through it in, uh, two or three or four times this past year, but when God birthed the church into this world, that religious crowd in Acts chapter number 8, they said they great persecution against the church. Here's what went through my mind. Fire baptized on the day of Pentecost and those disciples going everywhere preaching the word of God and multitudes of people getting saved by the grace of God and that religious outfit, they said, we'll stomp that little fire out and we'll not see any more of that going on around here. And every time, like you ever, some of you country folk, you ever burned a pasture off, let the grass burn and it get out of hand? I've experienced that a time or two. And you run out there going to stomp the fire out and when you stomp it just causes sparks to go somewhere else and another one will start. You can do a, a fantango and dance for 30 minutes and still couldn't get the fire out. You're just making it worse. And the Bible said, Brother Russ, in I chapter 8, that religious crowd said, we'll just stomp the fire out of that crowd and cause them to be quiet. And preacher, they started stomping. And the Bible said those men and disciples went everywhere preaching the word of God, except the apostles. They didn't go. They were staying back there taking care of some things like a good deacon does, John. But nevertheless, that fire spread. The more they stomped, the more it spread out and burned. The old ship of Zion, when she uh, set sail on this earth, they tried to stomp it out, and they couldn't. So the devil said, I'll join it, and I'll get it from the inside. Are you listening? Dead, carnal, formalism. I call them icebergs. They sit down on church pews, and they said, stop all of this crying and shouting and carrying on and just sit there like Elijah the wooden Indian. I would sing you two verses of that, but some of you get in the floor and get your clothes dirty wallowing. Amen. Cold icebergs in church. Dead formalism. That's what sank the Titanic. The devil would use that to sink the old ship of Zion, but Daniel, he ain't got an iceberg big enough to sink the church. Not only was trying to stomp the fire out and not only dead formalism, but you remember we've read about the Reformation. I mean, the persecution came to the church and they scattered that church everywhere because of the persecution that came. Kind of like when they said, we'll put the fire out. But the red bloody seas of the Reformation did not stop the church. You know what's happening in 2023 and will happen in 2024 and probably till Jesus comes again. I don't think it's necessarily icebergs. We've missed those. I don't think it's necessarily the persecution, but I'll tell you what, trying to sink the old ship of Zion today, and you can take it for what it's worth. I believe it's waves of worldliness. 
I believe they're raging over the bow of the old ship of Zion and trying to get everybody to compromise and quit preaching the word of God and slip in, uh, creep, as Jude said, evil men have crept in unawares and they creep in with another version of the Bible and neighbor, the churches are lowering their standards and they're thrown into town giving up and they want a crowd rather than a church. Are you listening to me? I hope to God Progress Baptist Church never get to the place. I want a crowd, don't you? I want a law. I want more people to preach to. I'd rather preach, I guess, to 500 than I would 50. But I'm telling you this, ways of worldliness will destroy a church. You say, oh, it's growing, preacher. It might be growing, but is it growing worldly? And I'm not the pastor, I'm just telling you, wave, I've been saved long enough, those waves of whirlings are just sweeping over the bow of the church, trying to wash the things overboard that our forefathers bled and died for. Old-fashioned preaching, good spiritual singing, King James Bible, sensitive to the Holy Ghost, being led by the Spirit of God. I'm telling you, the, it'd be like this crowd here in the last verse I read. And down in, uh, when that crowd gets to verse number 34, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they besought him that he would depart out of their coast. I'm here to tell you this morning, and you can take it for 57 plus years of experience, uh, preaching about 56 or 7 years and pastoring 36 of those years. The word world would not put up 15 minutes with the Holy Ghost and the Lord Jesus Christ being manifest in a service and people just letting their hair down and taking the chains that's got them bound off and worshiping God in spirit and in truth and getting back to the old path. The world's not looking for that. The religious world won't have anything to do with it. And if we aren't careful, they'll bind us to where we won't want any of it. I ain't letting them put my fire out. Are you listening to me? We got a my brother-in-law about to die. They give him four or five days maybe before they take him off of the life support. But I'm telling you this, we still got a God. We got on our knees and prayed for him. And it wouldn't surprise me one bit if God don't spare him and raise him up where somebody can tell him about Jesus again. He may have got in and uh, years ago raised in the same family my wife was raised in, in the first Baptist chair. But listen to me just a minute. We've got a God that said, Cast all your cares upon me. I care for you. Come unto me, all ye that labor to heavy laden. I'll give you rest. So pillow your head on the bosom of Jesus this morning and let let him take care of whatever problem you got. Get on board the old ship of Zion this morning. If I was you, here's what I would do. I'd leave the cares of this world behind me. I'd turn my back upon sin and the filth of the world and everything out there. And I'd get on board the old ship of Zion. And I'd sail with Jesus from this day until he says it's enough and calls the church home. And we sail in not to New York Harbor where the Titanic was going, but we'll sail into the harbor of the shore 
sure sweet deliverance and we'll be in the presence of Jesus forever and forever and forever. The old ship of Zion's not going to sink because it cost God too much to build her. It's not going to sink because he gave us something to do and the job's not done. God always finishes what he starts. Amen. And then it's not going to sink because we've got a captain. And Hebrews 2.10 said Jesus is the captain of our salvation and he's uh, careful about where he lets you go and leads and guides and directs you and he's capable of taking care of wherever he sends you. Amen. And then lastly, and I'm through this morning, the reason the church Church, the ship of Zion is not going to sink is because of the cargo. My pastor called me this week and uh, asked me about an outline, Brother McBride, that I preached years ago. My pastor's wife, I preached her funeral, and uh, I won't steal his thunder if he's going to preach it somewhere, but uh, he needs to get an original thought somewhere by his own. Amen. <laughs> But he asked me about an outline. It's a good outline, too. I liked it. <laughs> if one of you ladies, Proverbs 31, if you die, we all preach it at your funeral. Amen. <laughs> the cargo. That's the reason the ship's not going to sink. It's the cargo. You know who's on board? The saints of God. Jesus said in John 10, 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. Are you listening? I know them, and I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. My Father, I and my Father are one in John 10, 29, I think it is. So we're in the hand of Jesus. And Jesus and I, you and I are in the Father's hand, sealed by the Holy Ghost until the day of redemption. I think we're pretty secure. And he did say we'd never perish, so we're, we're pretty the cargo. If Jesus lost one, we'd have to go back and tear John 17 out of your King James-inspired Bible. All that the Father have given me, I have lost none. But the son of prescription, the son of, son of perdition, him, Jimmy Swaggart's heading in the same direction. Amen. Oh. I don't have time to make the rest of you mad, but uh, Judas Iscariot never was saved. He is the devil. The Bible said the devil whispered to him, told him what to do. Then if you read closely... The Bible said Satan entered into Judas. Now, I got a message on Judas that I don't have time to mess with today. I'm about through. But the cargo, Jesus has lost none that's ever come to him that the Father drew to him. And he never will. We have eternal life. We are going to live forever. Saved by the grace of God. Sealed unto the day of redemption. And that redemption is the redemption of this old body. My soul saved and sealed. I've got a new spirit that he quickened and made alive in Ephesians 2. And I'm just waiting to get a new body to go with what's on the inside.
and I will one of these days. This mortal is going to put immortality, and this corruptible is going to put on incorruption, and it will be brought to pass, O death, where is thy sting grave? Where is thy victory? And I could go on. I don't have time. I'm going to get a new body. Jesus promised it to me, and he's never broken a promise. Are you listening to me? The cargo that's on that ship, Paul got in a storm, and you know the storm in Acts, and they begin to throw the wares and the wheat and everything else overboard. Well, Jesus never has thrown one overboard. So the cargo's safe because of our captain. And then I thought, and I'm not going to preach this, it's not only the cargo, but it's the companionship. What is that cargo? We're, it's the bride, the bride of Christ. He's going to take care of her. He loves her and gave himself for her. And he'll never leave her, never forsake her. So the ship of Zion's not going to go down because his bride's on board that ship. I'm an old man, but I do pack usually. So don't mess with my bride. Would you help me, PJ? We was going to whip two fellers one time on visitation from the church. <laughs> that would have been a good testimony, wouldn't it? But we asked about 50 years ago. I'm, I'm through. You can beat the devil out of people. You, know that, uh, you use that expression, but some of you don't believe it. My daddy beat it out of me when I was about 12 years old. But uh, she's his bride. The church is the bride of Jesus. He's preparing a mansion for us, a place for us. And I think it'll be far above and beyond exceeding greatness of a mansion, but nevertheless, he's going to build a city four square, and for those of us that like the country, he said, we're seeking another country. He'll let us live in the country and let some of these city folk live in the city. But the church has not gone down. It costs too much. We've got a job that's unfinished. Let's get it done, church, would we? Preacher won't take on more missionaries. My Sunday school class and Brother Billy's Sunday school class, we took on another missionary. I wish we'd take two or three, Pastor, and I got to quit. But uh, the captain, he's guiding this ship. He knew we're going. He knows we're going through stormy waters and trials are going to come, and we might just be at the tip of the iceberg on the persecution of the church. This next election, brother, goes the way that the world wants it to go. They're going to take your Bible away from you, besides your guns, because that Bible is a segregated Bible. There are slaves in the Bible. You know that, don't you? And there's a lot of things in that Bible that the human government hates. And they're going to try it out. We, I got to, if you can believe some of the stuff you get on your phone, but... Uh, They've got hundreds of thousands of dollars and different th plans made to destroy and take away the word. It'll never be destroyed, but take that away from the church. And I don't know what all that's going to come to, but I'm telling you this, the church has not gone down. She's gone up. Because of the cost and commission, the captain, his capabilities, and the cargo, and the companionship, if you'll let me, that's about the best alliteration I could get. The relationship that he has with those on board the old ship of Zion, we're his bride. 
And he's sure going to, if a man careth not for his own, he's denied the faith and worse than an infidel. So Jesus is going to take care of the church. I was once was young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Here's a paraphrase of that. I've never seen a little sparrow out on the Interstate 26 saying I'll work for food. He's going to take care of the church. He'll supply every need. I don't, let me give you one of the things go through my mind. My wife said, you can mess up a good message in the heartbeat. <laughs> but there's a church boss run up to me, and he said, uh, I know where this church is going. He said, if I leave, I know where it's going to end up. I said, why don't you leave and find out? He did. He left. The attendance went from about 15 up to about 200. Giving $50 to missions up to several thousands and thousands of dollars. So it wasn't built on him. It was built on Jesus. All right, listen to me. The old ship of Zion is alive and well. And she's sailing the stormy seas of this earth. And she's going to sail on till the job is done. I'm glad I'm a part of it. I wish every person in this building would get on board. Brother Youngblood, I heard the good captain call up my name. Did he lower the lifeboat or whatever and get him up and get that old boy out of the murky waters and get him on board the ship? Why don't you get on board this morning? Ship's going to set out and set sail out here one of these days. You're going to be left standing on the dock wishing you had. Instead of getting on, you're going to stay on the dock and you're going to miss the rapture of the Lord Jesus when he comes to get his church. Thank you for preaching with me, preacher.